Welcome to Story Comic Presents, where we interview amazing storytellers and artists. This is episode 224. I'm your host, Barney Smith of StoryComic.com, and we're excited to have with us the award-winning NCAA Division I hockey coach turned Vermont author, Gary Wright. Thanks, Barney. It's uh, great to be here. Gary, yeah, it was great, great chatting with you. I know you got your book published through Rootstock Publishing, correct? Mm -hmm. Right. So as we as we said, you you were a Division One hockey coach. You were well, I mean, you were a hockey coach for well on forty years. Yeah. And one of the things is that your your mother, who recently passed, who was also a, a writing teacher, kind of basically told you you should write a book, correct? Yeah. I mean, I don't. I had done a um, one that I self-published called Past the Biscuit back around 1991, which was more of an X and O book. Mm. But yes, I don't think I would have taken on this endeavor. Um, but my mother really sort of stayed on me pretty regularly. I, I guess just from the, my, the stories I had told her, that kind of thing through the years or whatever. But um, yeah, I don't think I would have undertaken it otherwise. And she worked with me a little bit on it, which was kind of interesting. Mm. And so you don't see a lot of ice hockey memoir books out there. There's not like a big section in the bookstore for that. My first question for you as well is like, how was your process? How did you decide what were you going to put into it? And what did you decide how, what you had to cut out afterwards? Sure. Well, I think one of the advantages that I had when she asked, or, you know, when she was kind of, you know, bringing it up quite with some regularity is that I, I guess I've always been a little bit of a pack rat and I have saved a lot of stuff from all my years as a player and as a coach, like, in, you know, I don't know, uh, several boxes anyhow. Um, and I had done a little bit of writing before I, as I mentioned to you with that self published and it's always interested me, particularly being around her and it's, it's in my family too. My sister teaches at Middlebury College and my brother-in-law is, is an English teacher, professor at Champlain College. So it's always been a little bit, uh, you know, around me. Um, my father was a hockey coach and that's how I, uh, partly what, the reason I gravitated there and my sisters and brothers gravitated a little bit more towards my mother on the, maybe the literary side or the English side or whatever. Um, but in, in basically, uh, I just started, um, just a few months after I got through coaching and, um, lived for one more year down in Springfield and started it down there and then continued. I probably wrote about 75% of it up here in Vermont. Um, most of it, at least in the summer, all of it, either on my back porch or on the waterfront at, at, at our lake camp. Right. And interestingly about that too, I, I read a, a sort of a partial interview, I think it was in Time Magazine with a new poet laureate, and she talked about the value of writing outside. Um, hmm. And I had already, you know, sort of done, it's just interesting, you know, um, and sort of independent of that, I had, I've just always sort of enjoyed either being on the porch or out in the yard or whatever. So, you know, and my mother was a little bit involved, as I would finish each chapter, um, I would, I would show it to my mother and I would all, and I would also show it. I had a very good, I guess I had some really good access for being on the athletics that I had my mother and one of my best friends was an English professor there. So I would give a, each of them would, you know, come, come back with, uh, some comments and, and my mother actually, you know, she would 
point out some grammat grammatical errors or suggestions, that kind of thing. But a lot of it was almost being like a coach. I like that or, oh no, or, or whatever the case. But um, so that's kind of basically, and, and the other thing I, I, I think too, Arnie, is I, I wasn't sure if I could sit still this long or that long. And so I didn't have a regimen. You know, a lot of times writers will get up and eight o'clock in the morning and work till noon or whatever in their writing room. But I just sort of did it here, there and everywhere. Right. How much of your memoir do you feel is specific history and how much of it is filtered through nostalgia? Well, one thing that was really interesting, I probably talked to either by email or quasi interview, calling people on the phone or meeting with them or whatever, probably 40 or 50 different people. And one of the interesting things you're talking about memory is, boy, sometimes you talk about something that happened 30, time, 30 years ago. And sometimes one guy says, we lost that game. And the other says, we won that game. And if the record book is still around, which there is in most cases, but there were a couple things in prep school that there was, people just had different memories of it. Um, I think that one of the great things about talking to a lot of different people is if I hadn't, I still could have written that book, but there's just a lot of sort of things in that that maybe I wouldn't, I, I wouldn't have remembered or wouldn't have even known about, you know, um, you know, one of my, for instance, you know, when we were up here playing Middlebury in the championship game in 1990, when one of my players got up and, and uh, talked about Churchill's speech. And I never even knew he did that. Well, 30 years later, 25, 28 years later, whatever it was, and he's a lawyer up in Toronto and a trial lawyer on top of that. So he, even back then he was a type of, and he wasn't even a captain, but anyhow, he got up and, because his father had told him, you know, the never give up speech from Winston Churchill. And I didn't even, until I talked to Bill Taggart about that three years ago, I didn't, it just never came up anywhere. So right. in some cases there, some of that stuff, you know, you, you there's little nuggets people tell you that really, I think, enhance the book that I wouldn't have really known otherwise. And in right. terms of the nostalgic, um, there's certainly an element of that. I always, I kind of felt like sometimes like I was right back in the moment when I was writing this. And how was that? Because you're saying you're writing outside. Is there something that kind of takes you out of the memory if you're writing outside on a warm day and you're, you're talking about hockey? Yeah, I don't know. Um, yeah. Geez, there's a pretty, you know, there's a pretty good, uh, there's a guy who wrote a couple of hockey books. And, and one of them was about having a rink out, you know, building rinks outdoors. And I think I quoted him, his wife in the book, he said, one of the best lines he ever heard was from his wife. He said, to love summer is one thing. But to love winter, you have to bring a little bit of your sunshine around with you. Um, I don't know. I just, I, I just, I just sort of, I just enjoy being on the porch, and I just think it's a really nice setting. I can't say that I'm necessarily overly inspired by it, right. um, but it, there is something sort of relaxing about it, and and you know, just about being outside, and not just inside your house. At least for me, it was. Yeah. Right. I mean, because you, you spent, as we said earlier, you spent 40 years coaching. You're at Rice Memorial, you're at the University of Maine, and then you're at the American International College. Now, yeah. if somebody is going to be, somebody's going to be sitting down and actually, you know, reading your book, uh, 
so if anybody's interested, so definitely check it out. So striding, striding rough ice, coaching college hockey and growing up in the game. Now, do you have this book split up as chronologically? Like there's going to be a part of it about Rice Memorial, then a part of it about University of Maine, then a chunk of it about American International College. How did you split up the book? Well, to give my mother a little more credit again, she, uh, when I started, I just assumed I would start with uh, growing up on the prep school campus and then gravitate into being a player there. And my mother had said, no, no, you should start in the moment, something more recent that catches the, catches the, the, you know, the reader's attention and then sort of go back and start from the beginning. And then in the, the end can, the end can be the, as if that chapter just came after the first one. Um, I segmented it, um, you know, by, you know, you know, the second chapter was, um, growing up on the campus and playing at Proctor Academy. And then the next one was playing at UVM and then coaching at Rice and then going to Maine. So I would say probably, well, almost 50% of it, maybe a little less, maybe 45% of the the book is about, you know, my experiences at AIC and the others are are a mixture of different places. Hmm. Now, because you've been coaching, I'm really curious about this. Is like with just the, the the evolution of sports science over the last several decades. Like you being there for 40 years, how has coaching differed? How is that occupation different than it was in over the past 40 years? Well, the game has changed, and I think a little bit what you were inferring there. Um, you know, like players in this day and age are much more concerned about their uh, their diets. Mm. Um, there is a much different, uh, much more. You don't. I think you used the term scientific. Um, for instance, uh, you know, thirty years ago, having a sports psychologist work with my players or um, going to a yoga instructor. Mm. Those kind of things probably, you know, in a macho type sport wouldn't have been uh, received as well. But now it's these kids and there's, you know, there's such an emphasis, you know, on the scientific part of it, as you mentioned. Right. Uh, I think that has certainly changed. You know, I was at the college level, so there's a real educational bend, you know, which I find attractive. It's almost, I, I like, it's not the same as an academic course, but it's almost an extension of the, of the classroom. Um and there's just so much more. The, the, the recruiting is more involved. The recruiting is more, uh, you know, ex- extensive. The um, the game has just developed, you know. I mean, 30 years ago, well, maybe when I was in college, we didn't watch much film. And now film is very much a big part of the coaching process. Right. And and so yeah, as you as you did mention about that, I know that you you mentioned earlier that uh, recruiting is a is a big part of being a coach, and you didn't like doing recruiting that much. Well, I, that was yeah. There was an article that I don't know if that came out quite the way I intended. Okay. <laughs> um, no, what I what I kind of meant there is when I when I stopped. You know, now that I'm not coaching anymore, I don't miss certain aspects of the recruiting. Um, you know, pounding the phones, talking to high school age kids who are a little bit older. You know, like night after night, and and maybe the long trips. You know, 
but there's also things about coaching, like, you know, I like having weekends off that kind of thing now. So I, I wouldn't, but I don't think I was, a, you know, as dogged a recruiter as some. And um, so I think there, there, there's some, you know, that there's some, that makes some sense, but right. I, it wasn't that I didn't like it, but I, but I, I think most coaches though still would say, you know, the games and the practices and that sort of thing. They like recruiting, but it's not it's not as favorable to them as the, as, as coaching, you know, on the bench or you know just playing the game and coaching the game. Right now, now that you're retired and now you've published a book, do you have other colleagues that are coaches that are retired who's like Gary? Wow, that's amazing! You wrote a book. I could never write a book. What would what, <laughs> well, what what's your say, response to? I've that? heard people say that. Yeah, whether <laughs> they're coach or not, you know. Um, yeah, I was just telling the same thing I told you. I don't know if I, I didn't know if I could sit, sit around that long, but, um, yeah, I mean, it's, they, they've been a big help. I mean, a lot of guys that are coaches that are friends of mine, you know, have read it and, uh, and, and have sort of helped promote it on their own Twitter feeds or whatever. Um, and, uh, you know, I had a number of assistants through the years and they're all scattered. I mean, you have like, for instance, just this past weekend when UVM was playing UNH, one of the UVM assistants was with me and the guy on the other bench, one of the UNH assistants, you know, coached with me at one time. So, um, yeah. most of them have read it, obviously. I haven't had too many. There's a, there's a couple, you know, like anything you do, there's, there's a, you know, I didn't want to write like a, you know, a complete puff piece. Right. But I wasn't going to get on, you know, I wasn't going to be unreasonable at all. I'm not trying to anything like any kind of tell all or something silly like that. But, you know, there's a couple things in there where I'll mention a player was a little bit more difficult to coach or something like that. I haven't heard anything directly back, but we'll see. Yeah. Now, what, what is your advice to people who would say, I don't know if I can, I can write my own memoir, Gary, what would be your advice to, to somebody like that? Um, well, you're absolutely right. It, it, it is the, it is the genre of memoir. I sort of call it a sports memoir. Um, I don't, I don't, I'm not sure what the term I'm looking for here, but I don't, I, it, it seems a little bit, I guess I'm a little bit more modest than to think a whole lot of people are going to want to read my memoir. Um, but also, and I, so I've kind of, it is a lot about myself, but it's very much about the people and players, you know, that, that touched me a, a, along the way. I would say, and I, and, and that question has been asked, I was, you know, the people that have brought up with me, I said, you might really enjoy it, even if you don't get it published. It's a pretty neat experience. It, it really fascinated me. Because one of the things about it too, Barney, is that when I coached, I was always away from the rink thinking about it, whether I'm driving in a car or lying in bed at night or whatever. And and what really interested me is I found the same sort of thing when I was writing this book. I was always writing mm. down notes in the car and thinking about it and and looking forward at times to, you know, to, to sit down and write, whereas before I never had before. And, yeah, and that was going to be my next question is like, what, what skills were you, did you hone and craft an expertise as a coach that you saw was translated pretty easily as an author? I guess the focus, the discipline, 
you know, there's an element of create, you know, of, of just doggedness, getting up and doing it, and and the creative aspect too. Um, one of the reasons that I thought I might be able to to be a, a decent writer and and I, I you know I I've done a, a fair amount of public speaking and people it's always been received reasonably well and it's kind of like it's you know it's probably like anything like you constructing the questions you're asking now or or me writing a speech you know or to some extent you're writing it I mean you can add lib to a point um, so I think there's 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 those kind of on the other hand the writing's a little more lonely. You know, if you're coaching, you're just constantly surrounded by people. And, and right. not that I felt lonely, but it's a little bit more solitary. And and before I, one of the things I said originally is, well, I've always liked to have written. I don't know if I'm going to like the actual process. Um, and, but this became fun. Like, I don't know. That is one thing about this. It, it, it became, I actually looked forward to doing it. Whereas a lot of times if you have to, prepare something you know like a, whether it's a homework assignment or whatever that's just like drudgery right and and so a lot of the writing i had done you know we want you to turn in a budget we want you to do this or that or prepare something for you know the department or whatever or, or we need all your ncaa you know stuff that you you know th th those kind of things um i i, I it would kind of like you know, kind of procrastinate with it, but I did with this, the more I got into it, the more I, you know, the more I sort of enjoyed it, you know? Right. Now, what was, talk about the process. So you wrote the manuscript. Did you already identify rootstock before, or did you write it and then looked at trying to find a publisher to help you out? The only thing I knew is I, I hope to get it published because I had done the uh, self-publishing before. Mm -hmm. And it was even more work and it was harder to circulate. Of course, that was before the internet age too. No, I just, I just submitted it. To, and, and, a lot, and some of these big publishers, I think you even have to have an agent. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. um, I just submitted it to, to Rootstock and sort of held my breath because I didn't see that they had been doing a whole lot of sports books. Right. Um, but, and it made sense. And and one, a, a guy who's a good friend of mine I mean, around here said one or two other people had mentioned it to him that were writers that they you know that they were they were small and not as well known and fairly new but pretty good. So I think they kind of were perfect for. I don't think I you know I probably was I wasn't going to get one of the big five coming out of the gate you know it's not right. like I had some big reputation as a writer or something. So how different was your manuscript as compared to the finished product? How much was there a lot of editing that happened during that whole process? Not, I didn't feel like a ton, you know, okay. some, um, and it was, and it was helpful. You know, there, I, one of the things I guess that sort of got me over the hump is um, they had, I think one of their part-time people who was also a sports writer Oh, cool. Um, Montpelier Berry area. But he wrote about it. He read it and wrote about a two or three just general essay report and and was pretty impressed with it. And I think I think that's kind of what triggered them to to make the decision. So right. um, and it fit to the fact that they're in Vermont. I like that as well. Right. Yeah. yeah. And 
And so what, what were some of, what were some of the things that you were surprised about the feedback that you've gotten from it for folks that are non hockey fans? A number of people have, have mentioned that it's fairly well written, you know, and I guess I never really thought of myself as a writer per se. So I guess that's kind of nice. And I'm a big Ken Dryden fan. He was a great player for the Montreal Canadiens. Okay. Uh, and won a bunch of Stanley Cups, a goalie. And also became a lawyer and was also in Parliament and has written about his, you know, how they, it's, it's, it's a little bit, you know, arbitrary, but um, you know how they'll have a, they'll have these lists of the 25 best sports books ever written. Well, there's one hockey book that always gets in there and that's the game, which is a book that Ken Dryden wrote. And he's written, he's, he's a hockey guy, but he's essentially a writer too. Um, But he's always been a guy that I've kind of looked up, you know, in that area. Mm. Um, But in terms of, um, yeah, and I guess I guess I've been a little encouraged that you know whether it's family members or friends or, you know, I've had a couple friends read it that that you know are not hockey people, and they've I mean, assuming that they're I'm hopefully they're I don't want them to tell me they like it if they don't just to be nice, but, <laughs> <laughs> but I think that um, you know I think there's enough. I I think if you I think. I think that I think if you're a sports person that plays another sport, I think you can still like this. And um, but at least some people that aren't really in athletics at all, at least have been able to get through it without saying it was like pulling teeth or anything. Right. Because that's a good point. So just to be clear, you don't have to know anything about hockey to enjoy this book. No, it it helps to have. Yeah, it helps to have some knowledge, but um yeah, it is an NX. There are there's an X and OL. As a matter of fact, Barney, the guy who who was reading it along with after I wrote it each time, I was telling you there was an English professor. He's a big sports fan, mm. and about three chapters in, he said to me, "I'm glazing my. I, I like it, but my eyes are just glazing over a little bit when you get into that too much X and O stuff." You know, the right wing is here and the left wing is there. And so I dialed it back. Okay. Realizing I should keep some of that in because it's very much a part of the game, but not overdo that. And that was probably one of the better insight that I got. So it's a good good question. Right. Because you had to make sure that it's, you know, accessible to all readers because thinking about it as a memoir, uh, do you also uh, look at it based off of, mostly your personal journey or just the historical context of what was happening in college hockey over the last several years? I think it's a little bit of both. Um, I was always writing with the idea that, you know, to some sense you have to be, it has to be entertaining. It has to be something somebody's going to want to read. I think it's sort of filled with anecdotes and side stories and, um, and, you know, a big emphasis, again, on, you know, the people that have sort of touched me along the way. And I tried to, you know, like in that first chapter, you know, the, the West Point weekend, um, I tried to throw some, you know, I didn't just mention hockey. I mentioned that historic football stadium they had there. And was it Douglas MacArthur or whoever, a quote from him. 
Mm. Um, so I tried to, you know, one of the things that was a little bit interesting is, is Bill Beanie, who is the Middlebury college hockey coach. And he's the one who's, he's got the record, I think, for national championships at any level for in hockey. And, you know, he had mentioned, he goes, he goes, yeah, it's even got a little bit of a history book in it. So, I, and I think that's something I did consciously, you know. Right. Um, but the biggest thing, you know, was probably the, you know, the, the human element, I think. And one of the things that you said earlier, which is true, and it's one of the things that particularly, it was part of my process when I was thinking, am I going to do something like this? And that's that there aren't that many, uh, and certainly at the college level in hockey, there there haven't been that many memoirs, right. you know. Um, and at, at the NHL level, more, but not a whole lot. I mean, they've often been, you know, there, there's been another writer writing about a coach, that kind of thing. There's been some, but not a ton. So I did think that that might be something that might give me, you know, a little bit of a niche here. Right. Was there anything that you had written out in the first draft that you really liked a really good story or anecdote that your editors or, and, or your friends say, no, Gary, <laughs> cut this out. This is going on a different trip. Let's cut that out. <laughs> Who do you think you are? Uh, <laughs> no, I, I would say, I would say the, the example I gave you of the, uh, um, of the X and O part, you know, right. getting and, and 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 writing about games and just writing a little bit too much about a certain game, you know that kind right. of thing. But one other thing that's interesting to that, this is I think you might get a kick out of this. So you'll notice there's a poem from my mother in there. My mother has a poem that is in the front of the book, and uh, right near the front of the book, mm. and. I had, she had written one like 25 years ago and you can't miss it. It's like in the first four or five, three or four pages. It's a, it's a fairly long poem, but anyhow, she had written it about 25 years ago and I talked to her about maybe updating it and putting it in the book. And she, um, she was absolutely against it. She said, you know, you don't, a hockey, you don't need a poem in a hockey book, that kind of thing. <laughs> and what sort of convinced her in the end, I said, well, how many poems do you think so, so I said, but how many poems do you actually think are in hockey books? And she, she probably goes, not many. And I said, well, that's exactly my point. That might differentiate right. this one a little bit, you know. <laughs> so what are, what are some of the takeaways that you hope readers get from the book? Well, I, I, one thing I hope is that I'm a big fan of college hockey. And there hasn't been as much of this type of thing written about college hockey. And I hope it'll give the sport a little bit more exposure you know um i think you know i ever since i was a young kid i really loved hockey i loved the game and um and it, that's continued my whole life and and i just think sort of sharing some of that joy and potentially ex exposing more people to the sport i think my the guys who played for me you know we weren't exactly winning championships all over the place and it's a pretty neat thing i think you know keepsake for for them as well. Um, and just a little bit, you know, I don't know, I guess sharing a few of my philosophies and, 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 and sharing so much from so many others, you know, if, if this book is about a lot of people that touch me along the way, then in many cases, I'm going to be talking about them, you know, in, at the book at the same time. So I think it has a little bit of an educational component like that too. Right. Perfect.
Well, so what's next for you, Gary? You know, when I when I got out of when I was in when I was in college, I worked at the YMCA in Burlington, and then when I graduated, I still worked there for a couple of years, sort of part time. Then I did the coaching at Rice, and um, I became the camp director of their YMCA day camp. And there's some pretty good material, you know, like hmm. summer of '79 or summer of '78. Those are the two I was a director and. We, we, we dealt with a lot of different types of kids, low-income kids and, and others. And I think there's probably something that would be, it'd be, it would be interesting. I don't know. It'd be a lot of research too, trying to find people from 40 years ago. But I guess to answer your question, that's the only other thing I've thought of at this point. Right. Yeah. Uh, what would be your recommendation for someone to say, hey, Gary, I love your book. What's your recommendation for me to get a book published if somebody walked up to you for that? Well, if they were, I mean, you know, certainly if they're younger, at least younger than me, I would say, you know, save a lot of things. You know, um, I did save a lot of stuff. I save a lot of stuff that I wrote. I, I actually right over here to the right of me at the bottom of my bookcase here, um, about six really large notebooks, you know, like three or four inch that with every, almost every practice in, in my four in, in my 32 years a day, I see probably 95 of those practices. So I would say, wow. I would say pay attention and save things like that. And I, if I had to do it over again, I, I would say like, if they're, if they're a lot, if they're younger and they're going to still be coaching for a while, I would say, take a lot of notes, even if you don't, even if you don't ever write the book, you, if you, if you do, it would be really advantageous to you. Yeah. All right. Well, you know, and so, yeah, Gary, this has been fantastic chatting with you. And, and, and please make sure when you get your summer of 78 memoir. Yeah. Out, yeah. I know. Back on. This must be like some part of it, Gary, you know, just being a hockey coach, this must be one of your favorite times of year when yeah. it starts to get cold, huh? Yeah. 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 I don't, uh, I don't complain about the winter. <laughs> yeah.